Welcome to the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. OuterLimitsRadio.com I'm your host, Ryan. Today, we're going to feature an interview with Mr. David Wilcock. If you've watched the show on History Channel called Ancient Aliens, which is absolutely fantastic, you're very familiar with David. He's, uh, he's appeared on there several times. He's a best-selling author, um, you know, filmmaker. He's just incredible. I'm so happy that we got a chance to talk to him. I want to give everyone a quick update on the shows. I know that we're not posting as many shows as we did, and uh, the reason why is because, like many of you, I actually have a full-time job, and that full-time uh, business is, is going really well, so we've just been really busy, and I haven't been able to devote as many hours into the show, and I want to keep the quality at that level that you're accustomed to, to hearing. We've recorded um, several other shows but I always want to keep you on the edge as far as the next show that we're going to be airing. I don't want the show to ever become predictable. I know you hear a lot of shows that we do on death and the economics, but there are a lot of shows that are out there uh, that I want to keep you off guard on because we always want to explore consciousness and uh, never make it predictable. Well, anyway, really happy to present the interview with Mr. David Wilcock tonight. He's a great guy, really got along well, and there's a lot of uh, interesting insight that he provided. So... The Outer Limits of Inner Tooth Radio Show proudly presents an interview with Mr. David Wilcock. Our guest today is Mr. David Wilcock, an author, professional lecturer, filmmaker, researcher of ancient civilizations, conscious science, new paradigms of matter and energy. And that's just what he does before 8 o'clock in the morning. He is also, <laughs> he's also author of the new book, it's called The Ascension Mysteries, Revealing the Cosmic Battle Between Good and Evil. And he also lives in California, so let's give him our sympathy right away. Mr. Wilcock, thank you for being on the show today, sir. Great honor to have you. Well, thank you, Ryan. It's a pleasure to be here, and uh, I'm curious to see what questions you have, so let's get right into it, buddy. Sure. Your new book, Revealing About the Cosmic Battle Between Good and Evil, We've explored the battle between good and evil on the show. From your experience and research, do you feel that evil is a force of equal or greater strength than good? Is this something that has been around for um, in the history of the universe for long periods of time? Or have you sensed or d discovered that evil is something that has only come about because of humans and human beings? I wouldn't say that it's equal or greater than good. But I would okay. say that evil gets a nice head start in the cosmic drama of life on a given planet like ours. And okay. I think that's part of the cosmic plan. There's a, there is definitely black magic. There's definitely black magic being practiced on a global stage right now. And I think that is such a unsettling and unhappy thing for people to learn that they will be more apt to attack the messenger than confront the truth. But these folks who are running our government behind the scenes using the control of the money system and corporate media, look, they're, they're like little kids wanting attention, trying to say, look over here, look over here, worship Lucifer. And it's ridiculous, man, that the amount of Luciferian propaganda that we see is just unbelievable. There was just another uh, Beyonce performance at the Video Music Awards for MTV. 
totally loaded with references to the darkest stuff in the cabal, the mind control, the shattering of the personality. Once again, they're trying to incite race riots. They've got uh, dramatizations of people being shot. They have, you know, machine guns, and then the dancers are falling down, and then the light on them turns red like they're covered in blood. Like, they want black people to be angry. They want riots to occur because what that does is it keeps the eye away from them and turns our weapons towards each other, which is exactly what we don't want to do. But what's the purpose of it? If you think about the existence of evil and where it is right now, I mean, what the average human life cycle is going to be maybe 100, maybe 120 years if you're lucky. Uh, the cycle, we're all going to, we all get born, we all die. So what is the purpose of keeping evil up? Is it just to benefit and enrich uh, generational uh, numbers of elites to keep them in power? What's the purpose of evil? You've got to double-click on what the cabal is and not okay. with the with the more pedestrian opinion. Uh, over the years, as I've learned more, I've come to sound an awful lot more like David Icke than I used to. Uh, David Icke, of course, talks about reptilian extraterrestrials. Mm-hmm. Now, a common misunderstanding is that people think that David Icke has consistently been telling you that the actual humans on Earth in the Cabal somehow shapeshift into reptilians. Well, I talked to him about this way back in 1999 and said that it's more likely that the people who think they're seeing that are seeing actually a telepathic overlay on someone's face of a reptilian extraterrestrial that's actually gained dominion over them in some way. And so there is some kind of psychic coupling with that being that certain intuitives can see. And I didn't believe this until actually 2009 when I met someone from the cabal and I did actually see a reptilian face superimposed over his face for a short period of time. It was very frightening. Uh, And I'll tell you what, you can laugh about this stuff, but if you actually see something like that, it will rock you to your core. It was not anything that you could deny had happened even though I was aware because of my intuitive skills that it was not a physical shape-shifting, these people do have some kind of relationship with these reptilians. And we're getting all kinds of corroborating evidence now from a variety of different whistleblowers. Of course, your listeners are probably aware I have a show on Gaia with an insider named Corey Good called Cosmic Disclosure, and he has experienced in-person contact with many different types of negative extraterrestrials, including various reptilians. And now we have this guy who's from World War II. He actually was debriefing 29 embedded spies for the Americans that were in Nazi Germany, spying on their secret space program back when they had the Bellcraft. And what he said was that the reptilians actually have a gigantic base, two big bases actually, underground, under the ice, in Antarctica. There's a natural volcanic hotspot that they can live in down there, and that they were, in fact, giving the Nazis the know-how and the technology to build a fleet that these beings wanted to use to create an interstellar invasion force. They plan on going to other planets and doing the same stuff that they've done to us. And what have they done to us? Well, this is where it gets strange. If it isn't strange enough already, now it's going to get stranger. Okay. Probably a lot of your listeners already know this, but 
Well, they're they're opened. Yeah, I mean, these reptilians live on the energy of human misery and pain and fear. Just like if you're walking your dog and your dog drops a doggy do on the side of the road, <laughs> there's going to be critters that come up out of the soil that are going to love that stuff. That's just like the best meal they've had in their life. And in much the same way, when you get into the spirit world, you have beings that actually benefit from positive energy. The benevolent ETs will use our positive energy. They can transform it in very refined and productive ways to benefit us. And the negative entities require negative energy to survive. And if they don't get it, then they literally starve to death. And so our planet is actually what's called a fear farm. This is the term I've heard, that that they are the main goal of these reptilians is to make sure that we live in a state of great distress because the more distress we have, the more of this so-called louche they get. That's the name for the energy, and it is based on the word Lucifer, apparently. So these beings, they don't want a lot of people. If they could get the population down to one billion or half a billion and keep us under a total dictatorship, totally controlled concentration camps, all that kind of stuff, with a handful of elite to manage the plantation, then that's their ideal. That's what they want. So if they can get that population down, they're going to get more loose off of Earth than they do now because, relatively speaking, things are a lot better than they could be if they truly got their goals to be realized. Thankfully, that's not going to happen, but that's what they would like to see. And it is okay, I want, to, sorry, I want to take a step back real quick as far as describing the cabal. I mean, if you call it the cabal, the elite, the people that are involved in doing these things. Are the human beings that are currently involved at the highest level, are they um, reincarnation or, let's say, crossbreeded with these um, dark forces, these alien beings, if you want to call them that, that are currently trying to control Earth? Are they human beings that have just been naturally corrupted? I'm just kind of curious, what would you describe as the core uh, part of the cabal? Well, I actually uh, go into the history of the cabal in my new book, The Ascension Mysteries. Mm. It just came out on August 30th, and it's already had 50 reviews on Amazon with 4.9 out of 5 stars average. Incredible. Which is incredible, you know? And uh, hopefully we're going to get on the New York Times bestseller list. We're, we're waiting. You know, we'll know by the time your show airs if that's happened. I hope that it has. Anyway, the point is, the whole second half of my book, the first half of my book talks about what is it like being born in the 1970s, early 70s. I was born in 73. Growing up in a world that is ignorant, that doesn't understand what's happening. I completely stopped watching television after I graduated high school in 1991. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a candid thing for me to say, but I'll tell you what, you watch television on acid, you're never going to want to see it again. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll have to say, I, I experience alone, I'll, I'll respectfully concur. It's, uh, it's, it's not a good idea. Jeez. The things you find in common with your guests. <laughs> I'm sure people in the audience are uh, nodding their heads as well. That's not a good idea. I'm not trying to say this to promote drug use. I mean, some people take that stuff and they get very damaged by it. Mm -hmm. I was foolhardy enough to try it and take those risks, but 
you do get something from it. I mean, I, I definitely realized that reality was just one option on a store shelf, and there were other choices that most people just weren't taking. And when I started to look at television, I realized that this is killing us. This consumerism, you know, three easy payments of 1995, call now, limited time only. That stuff started to sound like some snarling demon. And it just, and I realized, what the heck is going on here? We're all living in this illusion that everything's fine. And it's not fine. It's really, really bad. And yet we kind of look the other way and we say, well, there's nothing I can do about it. It's just not, it's outside of my hands. You know, what can I do? I'm only one person. That's exactly what they want you to think. They want you to think that you are powerless, that you don't have the ability to control the outcome. And when you are living that uninformed life, you don't believe there's any higher power. You don't believe there's any ETs, good or evil. You're alone in the universe. When you die, your consciousness blacks out and you cease to exist. I mean, that's a really freaking depressing existence. And people make up for it by, you know, getting high, getting drunk, spending, you know, driving too fast, going to the gun range, fire off your gun. You know, and that's all stuff that people do. But the point is, then you start dying, right? Then you're in the hospital. You're lying there in that bed, staring at the ceiling, hearing the beep of the monitors of the heart, and, and watching your vital signs on a little LED screen, and you think you're going to stop existing. And now you're scared, and you become scared enough that you'll let them put you on a intubation and artificial breathing. And we think that this is good. We want to keep that body alive. Well, it's ridiculous. You know, we need to understand that there is a spirit world, and it's not just something that you only get to enjoy once you've passed on. It's very, very involved in our everyday life all the time. And these beings are profiting from that. They need us to stay ignorant because once we find out the truth, we'll discover that they have been giving people on Earth the technology and the know-how to dominate us. And that's why the economy is in the toilet. It's been in the toilet since 2008. Anybody that says recovery should be slapped in the face. It's only gotten worse and worse and worse. I mean, come on. David, in your new book, The Ascension Mysteries, revealing the cosmic battle between good and evil, you talk about a you have this conclusion that Earth is on the verge of some massive event. It's going to transform energy, matter, consciousness. It's going to change the way we are. Can you please describe this event and what impact it's going to have on all of our lives? Well, I think, Ryan, if you look at what we're discussing and how disturbing this information is about the cabal and the idea that there are some very nasty ETs that are controlling it, that they're farming for fear, the problem I see in this field is that people get really into that stuff and they see the provable evidence that the cabal is real and that we're being lied to in the media. The way I look at it is if you have any belief in a higher power at all, then there has to be a, an equal or greater force of good to counteract that evil, or else the evil would have already won. If the evil is that bad and they haven't gotten their goals met yet, then something is obviously stopping them. 
And we now have an American hero, the Apollo astronaut, Dr. Edgar Mitchell, who just recently passed away. Unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to meet him. But he's on record saying that extraterrestrials have routinely interrupted the operation of nuclear missile silos. Nuclear missiles themselves have been melted down. They have been depowered. They have been deradiated. Somebody wants us to be here and is stopping these guys from doing all of their dark and nefarious plans. So then what you're saying is, what's the end game here? Why Mm -hmm. do we have this cosmic battle between good and evil happening on our planet? We have now got what I feel to be the most concise, detailed summary of the evidence for Ascension in my new book that I've ever seen. I'd love it if somebody else had done this already. As far as I know, it's never been done. Where I've got not only scriptures, but also this, and there's also insider testimony of some people who are on public record, others who I've met myself and gotten private briefings from. Everybody's saying the same thing, and there's also science to prove this. So what is the thing that they're saying? We are hearing, and it goes all the way back to Zoroastrian scripture, Hindu scripture, Jewish, Buddhist, Muslim, Christian. I mean, everybody's got this in varying forms. The idea that the sun is going to do something. The sun is going to do something that it hardly ever does otherwise. It is apparently some kind of massive release of light and energy. It appears that the sun itself gives off some kind of blinding white flash of light, and it also appears that the Earth gets a massive amount of aurora borealis effects, so that when you're looking up in the sky when this happens, the whole sky is filled with rainbow-colored light, and that's the aurora borealis, which is now just not at the north and south pole, but it's happening all over the planet. And the Hindu scriptures have a really beautiful section where they describe this rainbow-colored light that happens when this event takes place. And I couldn't understand what it was, but my uh, co-star on our show, Cosmic Disclosure, Corey Good, who's the alleged insider that worked in the space program, the secret space program, he was given information showing that this is what happens, that the sky turns all rainbow colors. And it's not just that. I mean, we're talking about the fact that our DNA is, spring-loaded. There's something about DNA where when you get into the real esoterics of this, it's built to do a lot more than what we do now. We already have this gland in our brain, which I'm sure your listeners are aware of, called the pineal gland. Mm -hmm. And this is actually in the geometric center of the brain. It's a little third eye, and it has retinal tissue like the eye. It has a wiring into the visual cortex, just like the eyes do same type of wire it's got the same type of circuitry and it appears that it actually is seeing something and this is what i went into in my first book the source field investigation so this this gland is already there and it's waiting for you to turn it on and there are actual mind control things going on in which the draco these negative ets um are actually instilling a mind control grid on our planet that is blocking your pineal gland from functioning the way that it should. 
if you look at some of these ancient uh, diagrams, well, they're not that ancient, but ancient for us, of people with halos around their heads, I've argued that the halo is actually a visible phenomenon when you can activate your pineal gland. What happens is that's the portal. That's the little stargate that your gland will make when you have it activated, and then you fly up into it and you go wherever you want to go. And so right before you leave, that's what people see over your head, and that's the portal you travel through, and you just shoot right up into it. So it does appear that we are programmed for ascension. Our bodies are made to do this, and we already have the hardware. You don't need any other advancements. All you need is to, is to turn the switch on. And the question is, well, how do you turn it on? All the ancient spiritual teachings tell us this. They all give us basically the same guidelines, and it's the stuff that we've heard Jesus saying, it's the stuff that we've heard Muhammad saying and Buddha saying and Krishna and everybody else. Be nice. Just be loving. And apparently that's really, really hard. You know, if it was easy, then our planet would be in a much better place than it is. The cabal wouldn't have succeeded as much as they have. But they only have a finite amount of time to do what they're going to do. And then the bell rings and the time's over and the sun does its thing. And it's ready or not, here it comes. And apparently most people are not ready. But when this thing happens, wherever you've gone as far as how spiritually advanced you are, that's it. That determines your future. So timelines diverge at this point. And what we hear from the religious teachings as well as from more insider briefings and modern spiritual teachings is that we're going to be, everybody's going to be dealt with in a, in a safe and harmless way. There's a lot of ETs here to make sure that everybody gets where they're going, but if you haven't learned these basic spiritual lessons, then you end up going on a nice cruise ship ride to another place, not Earth, and you're going to be living out more third-dimensional reincarnation and having to deal with things like you know, dismemberment and rape and stuff that nobody wants Jeez. to have to have. Well, I'll ask you this. If I want to know the difference between this event occurring, this event that you describe occurring, and then somebody who actually just dies, and then they, they go back to consciousness, and then they reincarnate at a later period of time. Why is this event – it seems like this event is, is predominantly centered in the physical reality where we are in our waking physical bodies. There is no great death or this event happens, and we physically get transported. So can you please explain about the comparable difference between that and a person just generally dying and reincarnating in a place of their uh, frequency? Yeah, it's it's very, very different. This this event, well, first of all, I want to say this. It is shrouded in mystery. We don't really know what's going to happen, how it's going to happen exactly. We do hear that there is a galactic plan for rescue so that the catastrophic effects do not happen and people are protected from any of that stuff unless your karma has invited that type of a thing. And so when you start thinking about people who are raping little kids and, and eating, you know, babies and stuff like that, I mean, this, this stuff is real. There are people that do that. And in those cases, they may actually end up experiencing some kind of catastrophic uh, earth shift. But apparently we have a great deal of ETs who come in with all different kinds of ships, depending on 
what soul group you're a part of, what ETs are working with you, or angelic beings, whatever you want to call them. It's basically the same thing when you're dealing with the good guys. And they will make sure that people get where they need to go. There does, there does appear to be a consciousness-activating element to this in which uh, there is something akin to a psychedelic experience as your mind awakens when the shift takes place. So one of the mysteries, if you really want to get into the, the fine details, is is there only one solar event or are there a series of events? And if so, what happens on each of them? It does appear, based on what we're hearing from the ETs who are actually telling us about this, who seem to be trustworthy, and this is in modern times where they're actually appearing physically and talking to insiders, this is not channeling, this is actually coming from in-person meetings. What we're hearing is that there are a series of events, at least two or three, and some of the earlier ones are not the full final stage, and those earlier ones do involve a massive dropping of the veil that hides us from our consciousness of the afterlife. Now, when that veil drops, the people who are more negatively inclined, they're going to freak out because they're going to be dealing with consciousness and they're going to be dealing with intuitive hits and maybe telekinesis and stuff like that's going to happen to them, and they're not going to know what's going on. And yet the positive okay. people are going to be activated and, and I have to say this is quite remarkable because I'm talking to you in a car and there is this incredible rainbow over to my right right now as I'm telling you about all this stuff. Oh, that's and awesome. It, that's a vet. Yeah. Hopefully, that, hopefully that is a very positive sign of a positive interview. Yeah, I mean, that's the rainbow body. That's the Tibetans have 160,000 documented cases of people who actually achieved rainbow body through meditation. And they, their basic teaching is that if you can live 13 years where you're in harmony with the earth and in harmony with yourself and you don't have angry thoughts and you just stay loving and peaceful and you're meditating, you do that for 13 years and you get to ascend whenever you want. Jeez, that's going to be really difficult for people. Sorry, guys. <laughs> no, it's true. Was, it's very difficult. Yeah, I was going to say it's going to be really difficult if if you're if you have a mother-in-law. I, mean, I don't know how people do it for like 13 days, 13 <laughs> hours. That's just going to be a challenge. <laughs> you know, David, when I um, your book, I, I, we had one person on we interviewed before. Her name is Nancy Dennison. She described this beautiful experience where she said that when she died, she became one with the source. She described the source as being the end-all, be-all, uh, conscious being that created all things. Uh, lightness, darkness, whatever you want to call it. And I'm curious, from your experience in your research, do you see a, um, a duality of two different sources of consciousness that are kind of butting heads with each other? Or do you see this good versus evil intergalactic battle playing out as a possibility or a dream within the mind of the source frequency uh, known as source that it's doing this to experience itself as an illusion of separation, that it's purposely choosing evil and having it pitted against uh, light beings in order for the sake of having that experience. Do you see this as uh, you know something playing out, as one being playing out by itself, or two separate uh, frequencies or consciousness butting heads? Well, I hate to be uh, playing the philosopher's game, but I would say both are correct. Okay. And the reason why is 
you got it depends on what level of the illusion you're looking at. Ultimately, if you want to get to rainbow body like those Tibetans were doing, the, the bottom line is there is no existence except for awareness. And that awareness does not have form or time. So what they would do is they'd be up in the mountains and they'd meditate on these vast open spaces and these gorgeous views. And while they're doing that, they're contemplating the idea that they exist as empty awareness, that that's all there is. And they try to merge their consciousness with that view. If you do that long enough, then you actually do activate your rainbow body. And we now have some amazing scientific proof that's come in from two scientists from Caltech, Nima Arkady Hamed and Yaroslav Trunka, and these guys have proven that the entire universe only exists as one tiny, tiny little geometric object smaller than the smallest thing in quantum physics. And that little guy is actually fractalizing into the cosmos. And then we're either, you could think of it as that we're either inside that thing and we're infinitely, we're in an infinitely tiny space, or that the thing itself is infinitely large and we're all contained inside of it. And ultimately, either one is correct. It doesn't really matter because it's not about size. So on that level, the only thing that exists is awareness. However, we also have galaxies and we have stars and we have planets. NASA is now telling us, I go into this in the book, there's 40 billion, with a B, 40 billion habitable Earth-like worlds just in our galaxy. This is a very, very significant change from the rhetoric that we were getting even just maybe five or ten years ago. Before they were saying, well, we don't know if any stars have planets, and we definitely don't know if there's any other watery ones like Earth. Oh, yeah, well, there's 40 billion of them. Go, go take your pick. Every person on Earth would need to visit six planets in order to even begin to map out all of them just to take a look. And that would be if we had the technology to travel throughout the whole galaxy. So on that level, yes, nothing really exists except for the awareness. But we have these galaxies and these planets, and there is an illusion that is created that is very real for us. Once you have a physical body, that's it. You're in the illusion. You're going to be born. You're going to live. You're going to feel pain. You're going to feel joy, and you're going to eventually pass on. And then there's another layer of the illusion, which is the afterlife and reincarnation. And you are stuck in that illusion unless you can activate rainbow body or unless you hit one of these ascension events. And you only get one every 25,000 years. Well, yeah, wait, let's just pause right there. 25,000 years, so you think the average person reincarnates 100 years if you're lucky? You, that's 250, I don't know, pretty bad. 250 lifetimes, approximately, every 250 lifetimes? Before well, that event like that actually, that's an interesting observation. What the, what the various most credible sources tell us is that there's not a whole lot for you to do in a Paleolithic society. So you don't really come back very much in the caveman era. What happens is your soul is going to primarily incarnate once things start to build up to a level where there's some degree of civilization. You, you, might, you might knock out a few lifetimes in the caveman type of stuff, but then you're going to start going where there's some degree of civilization where you're going to have, uh, you know, and also, of course, the population numbers go up a lot more. Once we start getting agriculture and cities and things like that, a lot more people have kids. 
the population goes way up and a lot more people incarnate. So if somebody misses the train on this one and they got to, you know, take the next train out to Ascension, it's not like you're literally going to incarnate 250 times on the new Earth, but you may squeak in for a few at the end once everything is the new version of what it was like here, hopefully done without as much reptilian Chaos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, David, I was always intrigued by some of your earlier writings where you talked about how you connected with your higher self. And I thought that was really profound that you were able to engage with your higher self at the stream of consciousness. And what I want to know is when you think and you perceive as your higher self, do you perceive higher self as the collective consciousness of humanity, as the end-all, be-all peak of consciousness and frequencies? Or do you see higher self as a greater being maybe beyond your physical understanding within what you perceive in a rational body, that itself is still evolving. And if that is the case, can your higher self or a person's higher self have a either a biased or a um, not full perception of everything that's going on because it itself is a part of consciousness, but it is not total consciousness? Well, that's a complex question. Um, I'm okay. happy to answer it. And there are, again, I'm going to take the philosopher's stone here and say <laughs> – there's different levels of higher self. So one of the things you described is a sort of earth consciousness that does exist when the source for the law of one described human beings. They said, we cannot see you as separate beings. It's impossible for them. ETs at that level cannot see us as individuals because we are not. We, we perceive that we are because we have a body that seems to be separated at the boundary of skin to air. That's only one level of the illusion. So one level of truth is that the earth does have a collective mind, and you can incarnate here as an extraterrestrial from somewhere else, but once you jump into that earth mind, you become a part of that mind. You're like a cell in that body, and you're going to participate in that consciousness up until something like this happens where some of these ET souls are going to be going back to their home worlds and they're not going to stay on Earth because that's their choice. That's what they want to do. So then there's another level of the higher self, which is not just the Earth's collective mind, but it also represents your soul in the future. And your soul okay. in the future is going to be a very different thing depending on who you are and where you came from. But at that level, no matter what it is, your higher self at that level is ultimately an embodiment of what would be at least a planet worth of beings that have all fused into one consciousness. And yet, there is a very nice individual address within that mind for you that is very much tailored to your personal needs. It knows your whole lifetime experience. It has its own sort of sense of identity that is you, in a way but it is still part of a collective mind. And that higher self, time doesn't exist in that level. So we're thinking of it as the future. It's really not. It's actually reaching back through nonlinear time to try to speed up how fast you get to the goal, even though it knows what the goal is. Okay. And David, we're talking about your past lives. You've talked about you being a reincarnation of Edgar Casey, 
and you've brought a lot of great information out about that. I'm curious, have you ever fathomed the idea or pondered the idea of what life would be like if you, for whatever reason, got a piece of information that you that realized said that you were not Acre Casey in a previous lifetime? Would that change everything? Would that impact your work? Do you think that um, was that something you've ever pondered before? Yeah, I'm not attached to it. I mean, honestly, I didn't want to say it at all. And mm-hmm. the beings that I was working with said that it was a spiritual felony if I didn't talk about it. Okay. So the main pre- the main presentation of it was in my video, 2012 Enigma. It was very, very popular, seen by millions of people. I did co-author a book with Winfrey years ago called The Reincarnation of Edgar Casey, with a question mark at the end. And I've often said this, too. This is something people really need to understand. Based on the, the knowledge of personality, the idea of an Earth consciousness, and that's all there really is, it would be very presumptuous for me to say that reincarnation is one guy jumping out of one body and jumping into another one. So we see in a lot of reincarnation cases very compelling cases that people make for being the reincarnation of certain historical figures, and it's like, well, how could five people have such a good case, or how could 500 people have such a good case? The answer is that souls that have an impact on our collective consciousness, they become like addresses, similar to like a website, and your soul can hit that website and download that code, and the more of that code you download, the more similar you're going to be, even down to how you look. So I would say that my relationship with Edgar Casey is like two tuning forks that harmonize fairly closely together, but I don't exclude for a moment that others could harmonize with that. And, you know, it seems superficial, but you can't deny that there's a stunning face. Oh, you guys look alike. You guys are, yeah, you're pretty, yeah. You're, the, it's, it's pretty and, intriguing. And the, about astrology, the astrology is stunning, too, because it's the best alignment with Casey's birth planets that you get in 127 years after the time of his death. I happen to be born at the exactly right moment. And another thing that's really strange is that I've identified at least 10 different people now that were the major figures in Casey's life. There's a book called Edgar Casey's Photographic Legacy, and I've flipped through that, and I've looked at these pictures, and my gosh, here's my best friend from high school. Here's my best friend from college. Here's my father. He was my father last time. Here's my brother. He worked with me as my business partner last time. Here's this friend. Here's that friend. Here's my ex-girlfriend. That's, it's just that's gonna be amazing. <laughs> no, David, we only it's have time for one last. Sorry. It's, it's, yeah, it's it's fascinating because I have a very unique opportunity to study this in a way most people couldn't because there's the documentation, there's the readings, there's the photos, and I really have lived it. It's really been very visceral for me. So you said we have time for one more question. No, I just time for yeah. I want to ask a uh, time for one more question. And the uh, there are a lot of people who are trying who are trying to bring information out about the way things are. They're, they're trying to present perspective, maybe within the same realm of scope of what you're presenting. You're very successful. You've been very successful in communicating. You've been very successful in getting people excited. You've been very successful and captivating the hearts and minds of people who normally would not engage this type of frequency. And I'm curious, why do you feel you have succeeded in this area? Why do you feel you've been able to connect with people who normally would be closed off to this idea? 
what is it about the way you present the information or what kind of information are you presenting that you feel is causing more people to resonate with this? Well, that's sort of like saying, how do you make water wet? I, I, I don't really know. I mean, I, I feel that people know that I'm telling them the truth. You can tell that I am a real guy. I, I am one of the only people in my field who will stand at the end of a conference for two hours without going to the bathroom sometimes. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. <laughs> depends on the situation. And I'll hug every single person in my audience if they want to wait in line that long. You know, and I, I try to be there for folks. And, you know, I've, I've done the prophecies. I've been able to have cases where, like, for example, before the Fukushima disaster, I was getting all these dreams about some kind of massive catastrophe that seemed to involve fire and it seemed to involve a massive tsunami and an earthquake. And I actually posted on my website a couple of weeks before Fukushima, it seems like the earth is about to have some kind of major disaster and I want to let you know it's coming. And sure enough, it did. So other than that, I would say if somebody's out there and they want to do what I'm doing and they want to be successful, I spent a long time practicing on how to speak well. And I have a discipline I call conversation as meditation. What I do Whenever I'm talking, it's never casual. I'm always focusing on the verbal delivery being as smooth as possible. I try, I don't always succeed, but I try to never say words such as, um, well, you know, the thing is, is that, like, that kind of stuff. I don't use those words. And at, at the beginning, you have to practice it by doing it slowly. And over time, you can speed it up. And... Good verbal delivery, I think, is very important. But more than anything, I think you really, when people can speak from the heart, when they're speaking from their soul and the truth, we all have an intuitive center in our heart that tells us that. And I've worked very hard. I've done a lot of research. And I've made it a lot easier on everybody else because the work has been done. You can pick up one of these books and you have a treasure trove of information that you can turn around and use for your own work. If you want somebody to believe in ascension, let's talk about the fact that the whole solar system's planets are all heating up, getting brighter, hotter, more magnetic. You want to tell somebody that their DNA is changing? Well, let's take the example of Dr. John Hawks, a University of Wisconsin anthropologist, who proved scientifically that our DNA has changed structurally by 7% in the last 5,000 years alone. Those are scientific facts. And when people are armed with those facts, you become somebody who can speak in a language that brings in the skeptics on the fringe who otherwise are going to say, oh, this is all BS. That's a very important element of what I do. I'm not just saying take my word for it. Beings are talking to me. They're whispering in my ear. And they've been right before, so they're probably right about this. I say, yeah, that is happening. And I'm going to try as much as possible to articulate the proof. So you don't have to take my word for it. And other than that, I don't know. I think there is an element of this that's like a, a galactic cheat code where if you actually do follow the universal spiritual principles, the angelic forces will help you, and they will guide you in the right direction. I was guided into ancient aliens. I was guided into getting the book deal so that I could you know, write these books that became very successful. 
a lot of things just kind of drop in my lap. But I know that at the core, it's because I practice what I preach. And when you do that, the universe will come to your aid. A very important Mr. fact. Mr. David Wilcock, what a great honor it was to have you, sir. You're author of the new book, The Ascension Mysteries, Revealing the Cosmic Battle Between Good and Evil. You can learn more about David by going to his website at divinecosmos.com. Really appreciate your honesty, David. I thought that was a great interview. It was a great joy to have you. In the well, hey, Ryan. If, if we have just a little bit, uh, just a shard of a few seconds, I want to say a couple more things. There is a you know massive uh, YouTube um, campaign against me going on okay. uh, in which all of these clone channels are coming up and they're reposting old radio shows and saying that they're new. And it's probably going to happen to this one, too. This could get multiplexed across like 20 or 30 fake channels. So I want to say the only real channel is David Wilcock, Divine Cosmos Official, YouTube.com slash David Wilcock 333. And if you're not hearing this either on your own station, Ryan, or on one or on mine, then it's a bootleg channel. And there's this is they're trying to bury the message by taking all my old stuff and making it sound new. The other thing is Sometimes I'm going to be saying things that I can't put on the website. I'm going to only be able to email them to you. If you want those Ascension updates, that's dwilcock.com. Sign up and get on my list. dwilcock.com is the way to get things that I'm not necessarily ready to put out publicly. That's what I want to say. Okay. David, thank you so much. Joining us now is the Astrophenom. Our astrologer, Miss Constance Dallas. You can learn more about Miss Constance Dallas and get a reading with Miss Constance Dallas by going to her website at constancedellis.com. Miss Dallas, we did the chart. Mr. David Wilcock, what did you unveil? Well, many things. Um, of course, a chart shows, let's say, the energy ingredients of any person. And um, in astrology, we do believe, uh, and I say believe because there's no quote-unquote, concrete proof, but it seems very logical to me that a soul has lived many times, and each time you come to Earth, you come with accumulated experience and knowledge from before, and you are here to learn other things um, in, in your life. So we go on in an upward spiral. And I know that these um, these uh, topics are very interesting to David, and he feels a particular kinship with Edgar Casey, and has said that he believes he's a reincarnated soul of Edgar Casey. So the evidence, and I'm saying evidence because uh, an astrology chart gives me facts. I'm not saying that my evidence is better than um, a psychic's impressions, but from my view. Uh, David is a Pisces, and Edgar Casey was a Pisces. They have 10 days between their birthdays and 28 years between the death date of Casey and the birth date of David. So it's possible. Um, it is very rare for somebody to reincarnate very quickly. You know, like like uh, sometimes in grief we say, and then there's a baby born two months later, and, oh, it's re reincarnation of grandpa. It doesn't usually work that way. However, there is enough time, earth time, to have gone by for it to be possible. The other um, uh, fact, astrologically speaking, is that both Casey and David had, um, have, David has, uh, Casey had, the moon in Taurus. 
And so that's two significant parts of a chart uh, that jibe together. So whether he is or he isn't, I don't really care, but he is truly in tune with a lot of Casey's talents. And I think that probably David's operates just a little bit differently from um, Edgar Casey, who was known as the sleeping prophet because he would go into a trance out of body state during the day and do these readings. And I don't know if that happens to David. I'm sure he's very familiar with out-of-body experiences. Um, but he he also has a great uh, um, ability to catch ideas, impressions from the air. Um, I don't mean like, you know, you catch a cold, but he just pulls them out of the air. He has more air um, element in his chart than Edgar Cayce did. Um, it is interesting to me that both people with the moon and Taurus do maintain a certain groundedness. And this is really important when you're doing that kind of work. I mean, you just can't pop in and out of, of out-of-body states unless you can return home, you know, not like E.T. <laughs> yeah. And uh, because if you don't return home, then your mental health really suffers. And um, spiritual practitioners of all ilks have to be uh, really on guard so that their energy is not depleted, so that they maintain themselves strongly, and that they can cope with Earth reality, um, because that's where we are right now. So in addition to the air element, um, David has um, the Mars in Capricorn and the Moon in Taurus, as I said, and that is very grounding. And I think that I don't know whether Edgar Cayce per se spoke about aliens and UFOs. I don't know about that. But David may have more uh, future sight than Cayce uh, did. Not that Cayce was limited, but he, he also was a very, very religious person and was very concerned that none of his readings and none of his intuitions uh, came from the dark side. And that, of course, is cultural. This was a different time when he lived. And uh, I, I think that David is concerned about that, but not to the same extent that Casey uh, is. So he's a more Aquarian, far-reaching kind of personality. And um, definitely has a unique life path, you know. I tell him, take his vitamins and keep well and, and keep us informed. <laughs> Do you think that he is going to come back in the next lifetime doing a similar uh, a similar life path, or is he going to do something completely different? Um, I think actually he may do something different. I think that next lifetime he will be digesting, in effect, all of these rather what we might say ultra experiences of this lifetime, and and maybe even kind of cooling it, you know, a, a, a comfortable, non-eventful lifetime. It doesn't always follow that lifetime after lifetime, you're bigger, better, stronger, weirder, uh, more successful, etc. Sometimes you just cool out and uh, put things in, you know, learn other small lessons rather than big ones, because he has a lot of, um, of talents that are, are very far-reaching this lifetime. 
Miss Constance Sellis, the Astro Fino. I want to thank you for your amazing analysis. I'm Mr. David Wilcox. My pleasure. My pleasure. To learn more about Miss Constance Sellis and to get your own chart reading done with Miss Constance Sellis, please go to our website at ConstanceSellis.com. Thank you so much, Miss Sellis. My pleasure. My pleasure. Okay, everyone, that concludes today's edition of the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Special thanks to our amazing guest, Mr. David Wilcox. Special thanks, as always, to our virtues, Miss Carrie O'Connor, Miss Laura Lynn, Miss Lisa Caza, and Miss Constance Sellis. To learn more about the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show, please go to our website at OuterLimitsRadio.com. So the next time we meet, my friends, wishing upon you an abundance of peace, love, and Oktoberfest beers. Take good care. Honored to have you be one of our listeners. Blessings and peace. Want to be heard or seen in front of millions of people? Want to be an expert on TV or radio? Goldman McCormick PR is a New York City-based public relations agency that specializes in traditional and social media placement for law, finance, media, and corporate-based clients. Goldman McCormick PR also are specialists in website development, radio show creation, press conferences, media training, and so much more. Check out GoldmanMcCormick.com for more information. GoldmanMcCormick.com Hello everyone, this is Ryan, host of the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show, here today to talk to you about who the virtues are. They are our all-star team of metaphysical teachers. You hear them almost every week on the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. First one we have is Miss Carrie O'Connor, psychic medium. She is able to see energy fields. She's able to talk to your higher self, talk to animals, talk to spirits. Amazing. She's also able to send energy, send healing. You can learn more about Miss Carrie O'Connor by going to her website at carrieoconnor.com. Our next virtue is past life reader, psychic medium, Miss Laura Lynn. Miss Laura Lynn is able to tell you who you are in a past life. She's able to help you work through some of the blocks that could be stopping you from reaching your goals. She's amazing. And she also consults with the angels. So you can learn more about Miss Laura Lynn by going to her website at angelreader.net. Next we have is the Astro Phenom, Miss Constance Stellis, our astrologer. Miss Stellis has over 20 years' experience reading charts. She's a columnist for the Huffington Post absolutely amazing at charting to see where your life is going and how some of the changes you make now can affect your life for the positive and the much better down the road. You can learn more about Miss Constance Dallas by going to her website at ConstanceDallas.com. And lastly, we have the clairvoyant cowgirl, psychic empath, Miss Lisa Casa. Miss Lisa Casa consults with spirit. She's able to look at your life, help you to attract love, happiness, and prosperity absolutely incredible and you can learn more about Miss Kaza by going to her website at lisakaza.com we also mentioned that Miss Kaza is a best selling author you can also buy her book at lisakaza.com I'm Ryan host of the Outer Limits of Inner Truth radio show you can learn more about the show by going to our website at outerlimitsradio.com thank you so much for listening spiritual professor is a name some of Maria's students and clients refer to her as After a consultation or class with Maria, some have gone as far as calling her the Force or the Oracle. Maria is simply a woman, a mother, and grandmother who was born with a keen natural intuition. She's got a lot of life experience and she's a constant student herself. This is what qualifies her to help those who are on their journey and need some direction. Some students visit her in person, 
others on the phone or on Skype. Maria will work with you on your own timeline, guiding you down your best possible path. You can learn to balance the mind, body, and spirit in what seems to be a world gone mad. As David Icke says about Maria, Maria's the real deal, extremely intuitive but with her feet firmly on the ground, out there but down here, no bullshit. Whatever you need in this part of your journey is what Maria will help you with. She'll give you the tools you need to make the rest of your life the best of your life. See private consultations with Maria on the site at MERIA.net and pick the one that resonates with you. You are not alone. The professor is in at Maria.net. Now back to the show.